0: This podcast is brought to you by Online Retailer, Australia's leading retail tech conference, expo and networking organisation. Recorded at the Online Retailer Conference in 2017, here we chat with world-class digital leaders to bring you industry insights, practical examples and actionable ideas from our incredible community of retail renegades, marketing masters and creative entrepreneurs who all want to do retail business big. We want to extend the conversation after the event and to keep exploring where the future meets retail. So let's talk shop. Welcome to this episode of the Online Retailer Podcast. I'm Kylie Lewis, and I have the great pleasure of speaking with Brian Hay of Unisys. Welcome, Brian.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity to spend some time with you and speak.
0: Now, we've got a really interesting topic to talk about today, which is all about three ways of tightening security and reducing fraud, Mm -hmm. something that a lot of our listeners are going to be really interested to hear about. But before we jump into that, I'd really like to know just a little bit about um, the company that you work for and what they do, and also how you came to be there.
1: Yeah, look, I I think it's a privilege to work with a company such as Unisys. It's a global brand, and it's known for so many um, amazing things. Uh, operating the providing mainframe systems in banks, so providing uh, good security on a global level, uh, providing data centers, cloud environments, and actually, you know what? What Unisys can take great pride in is providing challenges to get things done that other businesses walk away from. Finding solutions to challenges a business encounter, not just today but tomorrow, and working with the client to actually uh, use technology and its global reach um, to actually make a real difference. The work that's been done with the team of global data scientists, uh, understanding business and cyber analytics, using threat intelligence to develop pictures and paradigms of solutions, that are problems we actually haven't even identified yet. And being part of a future landscape that uh, brings those challenges and opportunities is is quite extraordinary.
0: Amazing, and so what's your role there?
1: So I'm the uh, Chief CISO Advisor uh, what does CISO, security, CISO stand for? Chief Information Security Officer um, for for the APAC region
0: for mm-hmm. Unisys. And how did you get to be there?
1: Well, I uh, I spent some time with another uh, with a, with an integrator as a uh, managing their cybersecurity uh, business for about eighteen months. And prior to that, I've, I've recently retired thirty seven years in law enforcement, and uh, where I headed up fraud and cyber crime for about the last thirteen years. So um, it's been an interesting journey and you, know, you never know how you're going to make the transition from the public sector to the private sector, but uh, I must say it's, it's been a very enjoyable
0: one. Terrific. So a huge depth of experience to bring to the private sector.
1: Well, I'd like to think so. <laughs> now, In- some interesting stories anyway.
0: Uh, absolutely, I yeah. bet. Um, well, So the, the topic that you're going to be talking about is three ways to tighten security and reducing fraud. So should we jump into it?
1: Yeah, look, what I'm going to do is take the, the, the audience on a quite a different journey. I'm going to take them a bit of a tour through the dark markets
0: dark markets. So when I
1: talk about the dark markets, I talk about the greatest aggregated effort of organized crime the world's ever seen. So that's where in the deep web that the crooks ply their trade of uh, illicit commodities, and uh, once upon a time it was just hacking tools and, and stolen data trading, credit card data. And that's what's driving a lot of the CNP fraud, the card not present fraud, globally is uh, breaches, data breaches, compromised data, compromised identities, and then it can be used in such a myriad of ways. And you've got to look at, you know, I'm a big believer in, in looking at history and, and if you uh, look at the, the art of war, the first thing it says is, know your enemy. Too much I see a lot of strategies are built upon what the crooks have done. What's far better if you can understand where the crooks are going and be proactive in your response and actually be more strategic in your, in your, in your planning and uh, where you invest your money, not just to save money today, but certainly you've got to save money for the future and how we pull together um, and collaborate. So a couple of things that I want people to understand who their enemy is why they do what they do, how they go about it, why they've been so successful, why have they continued to grow, why is it, to, you go back several years and you had about 30 websites visited by about 20,000 people a day, now you're looking at over 200 websites visited by over 200,000 people per day, and I think very conservatively, in my personal view, um, that'll be at least triple within the next five years. Now, if you look at the rising levels of uh, card not present fraud, and uh, globally, and you, you and not in Australia, and we make a big mistake of looking in terms of geography and borders. You can't do that. I remember pr- addressing an FBI conference many years ago from a law enforcement. I said, Law enforcement needs to develop a culture of a willingness to contribute to the global effort without expectation of return. And what I mean by that, if financial crime, and cyber is not limited to a border it's not limited to a geography yet the solutionary thinking is still limited by that scope and we have to challenge and break through those barriers so by taking people through the the dark markets understanding why the crooks have been so successful how they strategically prepare it's no it's not by accident that since 2012 the crooks have written more malware for the mobile platform than they have for the pc why? Because they knew that's where all the financial information, all the banking, all the online shopping was going to go. They strategically prepared for that. We have, are too much in the reactive cycle. And one of the other lessons is I understand one of the reasons they've been so successful is that crooks understand the value of intelligence, and they understand the importance of collaboration in real time. In uh, how often do retail uh, entities share intelligence, meaningful intelligence in real time with their competitors to actually support and save each other from the same enemy. Mm-hmm. How often do they involve academia into some of their proactive thinking for those solutionary aspects? How often do they invite industry to the table? How often do they invite law enforcement to the table? We've, we've done everything in silos. My challenge is how do we do it collaboratively? What structure, process, collaboration do we need to put in this country to contribute not only to the protection of our citizens, communities, businesses, and the health of the economy of this, this great country, but how can we contribute to the global support? Because we can't think just in terms of Geographic solutions, and mm-hmm. that's one of my, my messages.
0: Do you have a good example of anyone that is collaborating to the level that you've that you would hope or aspire to, or could see that would make a big difference?
1: Uh, look, I, th- I think we've planted some seeds uh, in the past. I think when you look at Acorn, the Australian Cybercrime Online Reporting Network, is is the foundation. I don't think it's where it needs to be just yet, but uh, it's it's the starting point. I think. Um, when I was in law enforcement, I was very much focused on how do we bring, the to me, the five key elements. How do you bring government at all tiers, law enforcement at both, at, at, again, all tiers, um, federal and, and, and state, or territory, how do you bring together academia into the equation, the community, and of course, industry and commerce. To me, um, 5 prong approach, bring it together. And, and start to develop a meaningful uh, dialogue with, with the strategic direction. I think some of the work the federal government has done around um, the National Plan to Combat Cybercrime, the work it's doing with, led by Alice Demigibbon, um now with the Australian Cybercrime Operations Centre, those sorts of things are heading down the right path because industry has to start to have a voice. Mm. But I think the retail industry needs to understand that it, it too has a role to play. Mm. Um, how do we uh, share intelligence? Oh, and I know that you know through some of the peers I know that at a lower level there are some great liaison groups that do really terrific work but we need to elevate it to a higher level Probably you know one of the as a, as a simple example if you look at the in the UK um, the dedicated uh, plastic and check card or clearing Association I just can't remember the name at the moment but just over 10 years ago they the banks decided they're going to attack fraud and they funded, I think, about 10 law enforcement positions. And they came together as a collective banking group, and they came together with law enforcement, and they funded the, the law enforcement positions in there. Now, I think after about 10 years, they did a uh, cost-benefit analysis, and I think it was about, for every dollar spent, they saved about 40. Mm. Uh, so a great return on investment. And you know, I remember someone asked me the question once, well, how do you know prevention worked? And, you know, academia is, is still struggling in a meaningful way to actually measure something that didn't happen. And it, it's not easy because there are so many dynamic v- variables these days. And um, I remember hearing a, n- a nonsensical quote a little while back uh, from a law enforcement officer who said, uh, oh, we're going to arrest our way to prevention. And that that's just nuts. I mean, the, the absolutely nuts. The, new, the world needs to wake up. The best way to solve crime is don't let it happen in the first place. And by... You do that through collaboration, understanding your enemy, harnessing the value of intelligence, proactively and strategically preparing and getting ahead of the curve. No longer can we say reaction is enough. It's not. It's not good enough. There's your data. There's the company's shareholders, uh, the shareholders' money. Um, it's your brand. It's your reputation. It's your experience of your client. It's your future, future business won or lost. And somewhere in the mix of all that, there have been victims. And that's, if you have a negative credit card experience, you actually, everyone thinks in terms of the plastic, forget the plastic. I can go into the dark markets today, buy a database of 10,000 compromised cards for as little as 8 cents each. If I want the CVV numbers, $8 each. But if I want sufficient identity detail to change the billing address on the card, $80 each. The value is your identity, not the card. The crooks understand that we don't yet probably understand that as best we can.
0: So, what does this mean for uh, uh, entrepreneurs that are starting up their own online business or are looking to expand their existing business to online? Like, what, because you're talking at a very high level involving you know governments sure. and global collaboration. What, what you know for the for the average punter who is starting up their online business? Where do you see that they have some control over preventing fraud?
1: Okay, so then you've got to look at the fundamentals of your security business. Then you got to look at how you engage your network or community of clients. Um, what little role can you play um, to actually enhance their knowledge of how to be safe online? Uh, we're not, we still don't have a national curriculum how to teach our kids to play safely online. You know, we're evolving through this process and I could talk for another half, half an hour on that. But I would encourage anyone with a startup, take security, extremely important from the get-go. And security does not have to be a roadblock. It can be the enabler. Why is it that organizations have this, this they might have a, a security operations center Gathering great intelligence on the people trying to hack into their network and do certain things, but they may have a fraud loss department, and more often than not, those two entities within the same organisation don't communicate. As a startup, you can actually set that those uh, um, parameters from the beginning so take security not as an afterthought but part of your client journey safety and experience Mm. uh, right from the get-go look at who your hosting services are and ask them what security do they have in place how are they going to protect the identities of your clients that may be hosted on the uh, on the service that they're they're providing to you uh, virtually or otherwise so get your security right and understand your and prepare for that accident you know Good security these days is not just about what technology have, security is about people. Uh, To me, the modern security proposition is built around business outcomes, risk management and people. The technology is merely the tool. For too long the the conversation has been what technology, what silver bullet, what sparkly shiny toy. That's not the answer. It is understanding the business, understanding the environment, understanding your enemy, and building strategies that are actually going to minimise those adversaries and maximise your efforts to turn greater profits and, and contribute to the uh, economy.
0: Yes, because as you say, people um, is, is, you know, the thing, the the, the, the missing piece in that, um, in that we always think that the enemy is also outside, but there has been recent cases of where breaches have been made by disgruntled employees inside oh, of businesses. absolutely.
1: And I can tell you now, every time I was uh, in charge of fraud, any time that I got a phone call, from a bank it was always an insider. Okay? And when you look back, very often it was either lifestyle, drug addiction, or too often poker machines or gambling addictions, nearly every time. And you look back and there are always signs. And we, we we focus on the threat on the external. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's glaringly obvious something's wrong this on the inside. And normally you're talking about people who have been in the company a long time, very trusted, high degree of authority, operate without very little supervision, never take leave or very reluctant to move on, and all sorts of other red flags as well. But, yeah, you're right. Um, and then you come back, well, who's got access to information? And how many times, you know, I was going to say, have you heard, but I'm not sure if you have, but I have, where a person has been... It's, it's a little true. thing. A person has been dismissed, or has left the company for one reason, sadly on bad terms, and they've still got access to their to the full. Uh, company network and have then gone in after they've left the company to do bad things and it's, it's happened so many times. So it's about getting the little, little things right. Mm. You know,
0: so in fostering that culture of, um, of security and taking that seriously and um, educating people on the signs to look out for and the, the, the protocols and policies to put in place.
1: And you just know, that the, to me, the third trench, that's culture. Making the people at work and do a great job day after day. Uh, empowering them with the knowledge of how they can serve you better from an anti-fraud perspective. Make anti-fraud and cyber security, cyber safety, part of the culture of your company, and get all those eyes and ears working for you, um, not just in the domain of what uh, niche operation they're, they're paid to do on a daily basis, because. Cyber safety, cyber security, and fraud, anti-fraud, is everybody's responsibility.
0: Mm. You know? So what would be some good examples of um, embedding that culture of, um, of security and... Okay,
1: for me, uh, I'd encourage any company, do you have a cyber security culture program? If not, why not? Happy to talk here. you. Um,
0: are there resources online that people could look up yeah, for look, that kind of thing? there
1: are. I mean, as, yeah, here's a plug, right? As Unisys, one of my job is to help companies develop um, uh, I call it cyber safety culture programs, um, b- because it's it's always been the afterthought. Mm-hmm. As I said, no one else has taught us how to. How we, have you ever been taught how to identify fish in email? And uh, no. Yeah. Right. No None of us have. Let's not. It's not about pointing fingers. Let's just draw a line in the sand and say, right, are we going to take this seriously from now on? Um, and one of the easiest ways to do that, from a company's perspective, is involve the company's families their children their grandchildren in your program give your people something to take home for their kids or their grandkids or their friends or relatives in any way shape or form uh, and because all of a sudden you've gone from a work instruction or something to try to train you that's why i don't like the word training and this sort of stuff it to me culture's better because it's instinctive almost you've then taken you've given them something to take home and protect their kids you've personalized it and culture, any culture program will normally take it—you know—they say about three, at least three years. But you can accelerate that process by personalising it. And when you start to look after uh, your employees' children, wow, that's a big step. And it's interesting—I think it's almost a res- responsibility too, because we have now had a lot of people working from home, telecommuting. Um, so you've in a way extended the work environment into the domestic dwelling, does that not then extend the responsibility to protect that dwelling in some way, shape or form? Good arguable point. Uh, I'm not making that point, but I'm saying if you want to accelerate cultural buy-in, personalise the
0: effort. And having two children who have devices and one who actually is plugged in all the time at school as a requirement on their iPad you don't know what they're accessing and you don't know um that's right you know you, there's only so much control that you have and you have to find a way to um to educate them to a point where that you can trust them but even so some of the things i've seen on my on my daughter's messaging that she gets yeah, from her absolutely from her friends and is frightening a,
1: and who if they're from their friends right mm. and there, there's a question how do we deal with them mm. you know we've teach our kids how to cross a road safely from the time they can walk because we understand the threat landscape. Mm. We teach them how to resolve disputes in a sandpit. We teach them how to share toys, how to show respect to their elders, how to sit at a table and use a knife and fork. When it comes to the internet, we throw them an iPad and use it as a babysitting tool. Mm but we've never been educated ourselves
0: we're in uncharted territory we as, are. as um parents of digital exactly. natives we're the first generation to have to take this on
1: but we've got the opportunity to make the difference absolutely and and that's what it's all about is you know i'm going to be sitting in today with a, with not with a group of people i'm going to be sitting in that room there today with a group of leaders and what is leadership leader leadership is taking action Okay. I don't want managers in that room I want leaders managers will do the right thing they'll follow the process and no disrespect to managers I'm not talking about I'm talking about leadership we have the opportunity and that's why these conferences are so unique and so important because we can shape the paradigm of the future for everybody we can make improvements and inspire those around us to make a difference for tomorrow to improve things because I absolutely hate from the bottom bottom of my toes the notion that any scumbag crook can make a cent out of any person or government or business entity in this country this great country and uh i hate the notion Mm. and um, we should get on board and the only way we're going to do that we can sit back and watch and we can react or we can actually get together collaborate build culture and drive change through uh, uh being leaders
0: so just getting back to that culture point and i asked you about um how embedding a culture and, you, and your first thing was personalizing it yeah. um, and ma- you know making it very real for the people involved yes. um, any other pointers there
1: oh look i, I would uh, you got to baseline your culture position so i'd be looking and you can do that simply through uh, um depending what sort of business you are but for me Let's build cyber cyber safety as a as a program. Baseline it might be you might run a phishing program. So some good tools, good products out there where you simply run a phishing email through your network without warning and see who clicks on it. And straight away you've identified who in the business uh, and and what your click rate is. Some there's data out there that's just 90% of your vulnerability is going through through your people clicking on things they shouldn't because we never told them otherwise and everyone makes these assumptions mm-hmm. so you baseline your position and then you develop an education program build on around that and you it can accelerate the learnings by taking it home to kids so they can share it and you've gone for goodness sake it's got to be a positive experience so if someone clicks on it makes it by mistake don't beat them up don't find them don't threaten them don't discipline them nurture them grow them and um make it a positive experience and then you can do things like well who starts to identify the phishing emails give them a hundred dollar visa card for the most phishing reports in a month or make it a bit of fun making it a positive engagement experience and you'll uh, do incredible things so online behavior is going to be one of those things Uh, and how can you tether that to other parts of the business you know you you do stuff around customer satisfaction and customer service um i bet you you'll see the ones that uh uh, appreciate and grow with your cultural, your cyber safety cultural program will actually add value across everything because it's omnipresent these days mm. you could look at apps uh, what apps are out there now to give advice how do I identify a phishing email how do I identify that errant phone call you know, you know, we know people in finance departments are getting phone calls from crooks saying they're, they're a, a vendor that's provided a service and they're looking for urgent payment and they've changed their um, uh, their bank account details. Pay into this account. We've had millions of dollars be paid into crooked bank accounts on that on that basis. You know. So it's know your business, know your people, know who you want to be, and then develop a program. You know, it's not one size fits all. Um, it's uh, there should be a tailor made or bespoke um, program built for each. Uh, for each client.
0: So, we, so the, the title of this talk that, um, that we're interrogating today is The Three Ways to Tightening Security and Reducing Fraud. So is, were they the three pillars?
1: Yeah, so we're talking about, um, and the third pillar, so we've got collaboration, we've got culture, and the third pillar I, wanna, I wanted to uh, touch on is uh, strategic thinking. So understand what the threat landscape is, is likely to emanate to, um, what's influencing that, uh, where it's likely to go, and how can we start to prepare for that. Um, the crooks do it very well and we can do it. We just haven't been focused on growth.
0: How do we do that as small, you know, some, some of these businesses will be small businesses starting up, um, you know, maybe on the side or, you know, they might be a couple of years in and just getting the business up and running and, and getting products available and shipped and all of those kind of things becomes sure. the most present thing. So how, how can they kind of get to the point where they're thinking ahead of the game when just keeping sure. what's going on right now today? Okay, you know?
1: so there are organisations out there that can provide intelligence services, uh, but in, in, with the, um, you know, for example, the National Online Retailers Association, get involved with an organisation that's going to give you the industry intelligence that you need. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's why I said these, such events such as this are absolutely gold. In mm-hmm. fact, they're platinum. That's worth more than gold. You know, it, they, the importance cannot be understated. It amazes me that if you, and you know, I've experienced this, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? I've got to get down to a conference to do such and such. Oh, yeah, junk da-da-da-da. Or get your head out of the sand, put it in the real world. The only way you're going to be more successful is to stimulate your thinking, have your paradigm of conventional thought challenged, and that's what these events are all about. This is shaping our future. This is not a junket. This is not wasting your time for you know a couple of beers after work. The networking, the liaison, the conversations, the value of the thought leadership that you get from these events, is what shapes your destiny tomorrow. And. Uh, Um, this is about leadership and that's what these conferences are
0: terrific so we've touched on what as a business we can do and how we can impact the culture of our people what about me as an online consumer as a personal you know on the other side of the screen actually what are some of the things that i could do in terms of protecting my identity and
1: right so first of all start you can stop surrendering your identity to every facebook you know did I say Facebook? I mean, I meant to say Tom, Dick and Harry on the internet, including Facebook. <laughs> yes. I don't say don't do Facebook. What I'm saying is, think about what you put on Facebook. Would you select a stranger in the middle of uh, um, Pitt Street and say, oh, my name's this, these are photographs of my children, da-da-da-da-da-da-da? And of course, the answer would be a resounding no. you got to understand, there is no such thing as absolute 100% guaranteed security 100% of the time on the internet. Can you jump in your car this afternoon, drive home and guarantee you're not going to have an accident? Nope. Yeah, and, and how many lives are lost in Australian roads in the last 12 months? Probably around at least 1,000. Too many. Far too many tragedies. Yet yeah, you jump in your car and drive your vehicle on roads that you know someone's going to lose their life. And with the expectation, some, there are going to be hundreds of accidents occur today, sadly. My point being is, you would jump in your road with preparedness that you've, you've been trained, educated, you're in a vehicle that's fitted with all the safety devices, your chances of surviving an accident are probably about 99%. You've got insurance cover to coverage any losses. The insurance company will get a replacement vehicle to you within 60 minutes. So the interruption in your business is about 60 minutes to 120 minutes for the day. And that's an acceptable risk. We haven't yet evolved to the sophistication of understanding the cyber environment. We should be thinking the same thing. I'm going to have an accident. If it does, how do I have insurance against it? How do I prepare to manage the consequences? Who is my support network going to be? Where is my backup data? How can I increase my own personal skills to understand how to identify a phishing email? How to identify a scam phone call? How can I um, uh, know which is a safe site to go to? How can I actually know what to trade on, for example? And I remember saying this uh, some years ago on an on um, interview. Um, I think we should have a credit card that we can limit only to Australia. Then, for example, I have three cards. I have one I travel with. I have another card that I do day-to-day business with. And I have another card I do online shopping with. I, I shop online all the time. Okay? But there are certain things that I would look for on an online site. There's a, there's a big trust issue there.
0: What would you look for?
1: Oh, to make sure that it's an encrypted site. I, but how, you,
0: that, how can you tell from the little...
1: Yeah, HTTPS. Yep. Uh, you'll see padlock. a lock and padlock in, in, somewhere in the icon will be there. Normally, it's a brand that I've experienced and I understand. Um, I look at the delivery times, where they're based, where they're located. I, I like, to, I think, global, but I, I tend to shop Australian. Um, there are certain countries that I would not buy from, uh, both in terms of integrity of the product, in uh, whether it's a copy, a fake, or whether it arrives at all. it's um, probably a litany of re- residue of my, my law enforcement days. We've oh no, taken I've been there, don't AK. worry about that. Yep. Um, how the person's uh, or the organisation's history, how long it's been around, how many satisfied customers, how many testimonials. Um, reviews, independent reviews from different review sites of so the shopping experience, the quality of the goods and services. So it's all about doing your research. I mean, it comes back to right, I said, at the beginning. And it might not be the enemy. Know your enemy. Know your client. Know your um, uh, the entity you're going to buy stuff from. Do your research. It's called intelligence.
0: Mm. I love the things that you just talked about there in, in, in terms of what uh, an online online retailer can do to build that trust and build that credibility um, with their consumers. Um, things like you were talking about getting ratings and reviews and, you know, where are they based and, and all their delivery time frames. Like all the things that they can actually um, do within their own control of um, building that trusting relationship online is really important and sometimes very overlooked by businesses.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely, mm. and I think one of the reasons so may be overlooked by businesses, some of the executives in that business don't understand the value of the uh, cyber environment themselves.
0: Mm. And you also mentioned before that you have different credit cards for different purposes. I found yes. that really interesting. So that, from your personal safety point um, viewpoint of, of transactioning online, you've you've separated out, or you've um, mitigated the risk, I guess, across different sources. You,
1: you nailed it. It's a risk management exercise. Yeah. So I, the last thing I, I want to be sure that I can still function day to day to do what I need to do to get So if stuff one done, credit
0: card gets taken out my whole life doesn't get taken out.
1: Exactly. I yeah. can still manage and, and f- carry on. In fact, I operate under the premise that a credit card will be taken out.
0: Yeah, so just make an assumption that it's going to happen at some point. Exactly. Have we got to that are we at that point?
1: Oh, we are. we passed that point years ago. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely.
0: So we can pretty much take take it as given that our our in, the integrity of our data will be um, will be corrupted at some point.
1: It already Multiple has been. Multiple times. It already has been. It already has been. Okay. Right.
0: There's a happy thought.
1: Well, it's just... <laughs> it's the reality. It's the reality. Yeah. And, and let's not sugarcoat it. Let's yeah. deal with it. Let's baseline reality. Absolutely. And, and again, that, the world's not falling. Yeah. It's, the sky's not going to collapse on our heads. It's just, okay, the crooks have got a head start. I, I Look, I can tell you this story. I had to give a presentation at OSERT a few years ago, and I presented about six years in a row, and I'm, I'm not the most interesting bloke. and and I thought, my goodness, what am I going to present on? And they asked me to present again. And, and I like to study history. I think I touched on that before. So I thought, what's a technology that's evolved over time that had a serious impact for society, but we've learned to address and manage on a daily basis? So I looked at the evolution of the technology of the motor car. Now, the modern motor car arguably started in about 1886. And so for 25 minutes, I took the audience on a journey, oh, sorry, the worst consequence, road death. So I took them on this journey from 1886 up until about four years ago. And I, uh, I could see, it was a fascinating, I'm not a car guy, but it was a fascinating story. And I um, i could see in the audience's eyes, I'm up on the stage that they're thinking, well, Brian, this is really interesting, but what the hell has it got to do with cybersecurity? This is a cyber big Australia, then Australia's biggest cybersecurity conference. And I found five points, how they got the road toll steadily declining consumer education and awareness, investment into the technology, the safety technology of for the vehicle, integration of the technology, safety technology into the vehicle itself, regulation and legislation and enforcement of the regulation and legislation. That's how they got the road toll declining. To My last slide was, I repeated those five points. I took out the word road, put in the word cyber, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, here's our blueprint. These are the fundamentals. Let's get the basics right, and we've got a we got we can go forward here. Then they understood it and chapped with wild applause. But actually, that's not quite right. They mildly clapped. But anyway, <laughs> um,
0: can I ask you how you back up your data?
1: Uh, multiple ways. Can I, can I just finish the story? Yeah, oh, sorry, I no, didn't realise no, no, you no. hadn't finished. Right. Of course. So I uh, about three months later, I'm walking. I think it was in Pitt Street, Sydney here, and uh, the chap stopped me in the street and he said, "Excuse me, you're Brian Hay." And let me tell you, because you've been locking up crooks for a long time, you always, do I duck, do I weave? Uh, Steadily said, yes. He said, I saw your car story. I'll see if your car story had offset. I said, oh, yeah, what do you think? He said, that was really cool. I said, oh, that's good. He said, but can I ask you a question? I said, certainly. he said, where do you think we are on the lineal scale? On the timeline. I said, oh, that's a good question. I thought for a moment. I said, we're in the 1950s. He said, the 1950s? What was that? I said, well, in the 1950s, everyone was embracing the technology. They wanted in their homes. It was in their workplaces. It was embraced by governments. It was redefining the way the government connected the people, It transported them around. It was disrupting traditional industry um, uh, lines of business, such as rail freight. Um, there had been significant global trade emanating and, and really revitalizing or, and standing up on the back of the, that type of technology. Um, you had brands appear on the marketplace that didn't exist or not heard of 20 years earlier, um, but you still had uh, road death. And there was investment in the technology to minimize those effects. I said in 1957, they invented the lap sash seat belt, it started saving lives immediately if it was worn. But in this country, it wasn't until 1972, they passed a law that said you had to wear it. And that was the turning point now, in this country, we've come a long way. We've come to the, the 1957s, and we're, we're almost in 1972 in four years because in February next year, uh, it, uh, the mandatory data breach disclosure legislation comes into effect. At this point in time, no one's been reporting cybercrime because they don't want the brand of reputational risk. And too many people have seen security as a liability, as an expense rather than an investment. And we've got to change their thinking around. Do you so. think
0: that's partly, you know, it, there's it's the shame that comes with having your data breached and, you know, people... From an it,
1: individual perspective?
0: Well, maybe. I mean, maybe from the individual person, you know, trying to do their best or you know, and, and and breaches occurred. I mean, I've, I've worked in organizations where um, I, I've been the head of digital and the security part of it is something that you take very seriously. But even then, even with your best efforts, you know, like you said, it's gonna happen. Mm. That's so, right. how how do you kind of I guess what, this is where the leadership piece that you talked about, where it's not just managing a protocol or managing a procedure, it's actually have the leadership courage to stand up and front foot it and to have a conversation about it. and That's right. And, and plan, for it, right? And plan incident, for it. Have yep. incident. Have
1: incident response plans already in place, knowing how the business is going to respond. Who's mm. going to do what, when, and how? Mm. What's your communication strategy? And let's be honest right from the get-go don't try and tell the world you didn't have a breach don't try and sugarcoat i mean now after february you're going to be committing crimes excuse me there's going to be far more serious ramifications if it gets discovered
0: if it's discovered and not reported. That's right. Yeah, so you've got to report it. Yes, you've got to yep. report
1: it. And, um, so when does that come into effect, Brian? I, I think it's in February next year. And um, is that
0: for Australian, all, Australian all Australian businesses? All Australian businesses that okay.
1: have a, an income in excess of $3 million per annum.
0: And what's that called? What's the-
1: uh, it, it's known generally as the mandatory data breach disclosure legislation. The mandatory data
0: breach disclosure.
1: Yeah. It's under the privacy... Uh, just mm-hmm. from, it's under the privacy act regulated by and controlled by the privacy federal privacy commissioner mm. um, Everyone, if you're not if you're in a business and you're not aware of that you need to go and have a look at these great guidelines policy um, advice on there mm. and, and tell you what the process is but it's about being honest get on the front foot and uh, managing the process be prepared to manage it don't put don't hide and head under a pillow and say oh, let's pretend it didn't happen
0: and let's pretend it won't happen
1: it, yeah, exactly right yeah. yeah that's just just as bad
0: yeah so i had that question about um how do you protect your data or how do, how do you oh, back- how do i protect yeah, my data how, yeah
1: okay so I've, I've got data locally i've got data in the cloud so um i, I choose a cloud provider that can uh, provide encryption at risk uh, encryption at the move on the move um and the provide backups i also being a little bit cynical, create my own backups, again in encrypted state on external drives. I prepare i I expect if a failure or a breach. So I've got to be in a position from a risk management position. How do I get up and back up and running asap? And um, is
0: that is that something that is in real time, or is that something that you've got a process set in place to back up every day, every week, every? Uh, well, the
1: cloud material what I can do there. That's in real time. Yep, because that's part of the providing uh, providers uh, services, and I I'd supplement that with a, a daily backup.
0: A daily backup yeah reassuring to know that you do use the cloud and
1: i don't just point one point i don't have my backup drive connected permanently to my computer Mm -hmm. you know i know of cases where we've seen ransomware attacks and uh, um they thought their backup was completely encrypted because it was connected to the the main server at the time Mm -hmm. yes makes me
0: think about my time capsule i've got (laughs) home connected to my mac
1: okay (laughs) but i think just on that point you know cloud uh, that's just reality. And I was, look, I was a, uh, I wouldn't say I was a skeptic, but I was cautious about cloud. And the reason, when it first hit a few years back, and I know it's been around a lot longer, but when it, as it became a marketing drive several years ago, I was hesitant because security was still the afterthought. Now it, it's far more omnipresent, and I'm much more comfortable with a lot of the cloud offerings. But I'd still encourage everyone to uh, uh, look at what you're getting for your money and what the security regime is what the backup process is and have a look at the tnc in your cloud service providers uh, contracts uh, and look at uh, who's liable for what because sometimes they don't guarantee anything you have really got to look into that
0: wow there's a lot to consider in this area if you could leave just one really important point on the table for our listeners today what might that be
1: be the difference. You've got a responsibility, you've got an opportunity um, to uh, make things better for tomorrow. So to look at how you can be the difference in your organization to improve things.
0: Brian, where can people find out more about what you do?
1: Oh, look, um, uh, give me a call. Um, contact Unisys, ask for me, more than happy to come and have a chat.
0: So it's unisys.com?
1: Unisys.com,
0: yep. yes. Yep, and it's Brian. Hay. are you on LinkedIn? Do you I have am your Do you have your profile on LinkedIn? I do on have LinkedIn? my profile. Do you on accept LinkedIn? people you don't know? <laughs>
1: well, I'll actually then sometimes yes, sometimes no. If they don't have already established identity, if they don't have common links that already uh, that, that I know, if um, the who they work for or what they do, sometimes no. So they're sadly, and I don't. If I've any offended anyone, I apologise. But I'm just a. Uh, uh, a cynical burnout for fraud extraordinary cybercrime detective, so forgive me. But I I do the research on everyone that wants to link
0: up. I'm sure we've got a lot to learn from, from the, this the cynical old man that you claim <laughs> to be. I'm very grateful for your time today. So thanks very much, Brian.
1: Thank you much for the uh, opportunity. It's terrific.
0: Thanks for listening. If you've loved what you've heard, make sure you're subscribed at onlineretailer.com.au to be the first to know about Australia's best e-commerce events.